0: me in your bibles to hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 through 25 again that is hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 through 25 and let it and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good words not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near Good morning. So glad to be with you today, thankful to be back, and, and also very thankful that my eye surgery went well. It was amazing not to have to reach for glasses, uh, even though I will still probably reach for them and go to push them up And uh, on a regular basis. I've had them every day since I was four. Um, I think about the blessings of my, my vision being corrected uh, it's amazing. I knew I married a beautiful woman, but she's even more beautiful now. It's just to be able to see her and to be able to see my my little boy, how beautiful and how how precious he is. But there is there are curses that go with it. Today's the first time I've ever seen Troy feltner close up. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry for the flinch. I mean it was bad. Uh, just beat him to the punch. He was going to try to say something during his Bible class and. Uh, I am thankful to be here and thankful you're here. Uh, Today in Bible class, you're going to hear something about we are the sermon day. We're going to do something really neat that day. So be thinking about that and be ready for that announcement in Bible class. As it was said today, we're going to have our worship in the park. And uh, there's some things we want to remind you of. I'm going to do this very quickly. First of all, uh, worship will start at 3. Park at Mount Juliet Middle School. Uh, There will be shuttle buses and golf carts to get you back and forth. There will be chairs there provided for worship, but if you want to bring your own lawn chair, that's fine. As soon as worship is finished, we will uh, have a hot dog supper, and then there will be sports, and there will be uh, face painting, and there will be blow-up ride. All this cool stuff is going to take place. One of the main things about today is you have a great opportunity to invite your friends and your neighbors Today, make sure, if you haven't yet, that you invite someone. And tonight, let us, as this church family, uh, as I can now see more clearly, keep our eyes open. And let's be the, not just the friendliest, but the most inviting place we can be. And the most caring place we can be as we welcome those who are visiting with us. And let's pray about this good night. The Lord has already given us some cooler and less humid weather today. He has helped us there. And I look forward to us being together. Let's go to God in prayer. God, you are absolutely amazing, and I am thankful for your love and your care for us. You have done marvelous things. God, be with us today and help us to take your lesson. Help us to see there what you would have us to see. Lord, help us to leave with the right attitude. And Lord, help us to see you for who you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Since we are finally in fall... And we have been for a day or so. We're getting closer to that special time of year where where turkeys will be cooked. I'm not sure about you. I grew up, turkeys were pretty much for Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's it. Now it's supposed to be healthier, so we eat them on sandwiches and stuff all the time. But that was something that, that we ate once a year. And a lot of times there were people who, I had good family people who could cook it, but I'd eat with other people and that thing tasted like sandpaper. You ever been there? And I'm thankful some redneck figured out you could deep fry it because that made it better for all of us, right? I mean, it is much better that way. Butterball turkeys, people buy these every single year. Some companies give them out to people. It is something they have so they can cook it. What's funny is Butterball has a hotline where you can call in if you have questions about your turkey. What's funny is some of the calls they have gotten. Just some of the calls that have come in. I love reading about these. One of them, uh, a lady called in and said that uh, her uh, uh, cat had crawled into the cavity of the turkey and wanted to know how to get the cat out of there. <laughs> Put it in the oven. I don't. I mean, what do you do? I mean, <laughs> you call the fireman. I mean, what 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 is it you do? One, what's your cat doing on a table, but that's a whole different discussion. There's a lot of stuff going on here. The second lady must have heard the cat story because when she called in, she said, I heard that raw turkey has all types of bacteria on it. So I took a gallon of bleach and a, a, a toothbrush and I scrubbed every inch of it. Will it be healthy to eat now? Or you could have just cooked it. Part of me would like to have filled these phone calls one day. I think there's no telling what you would hear. The other was interesting. The, the one family looked down, and, and they said, you know what, a lot of our family can't come this year. And so the turkey was still frozen. And so they called in and said, hey, we decided we only want half our turkey, so I asked my husband to cut the frozen turkey in half with a chainsaw. Okay? Two, is there any way to get the chainsaw oil out of the turkey. Yes, you call the lady with the bleach, and she'll help you right out. I mean, these people just need to be talking to each other, okay? And one of my favorites of all time, many of us grew up with a, a grandparent or a family who had one of these deep freeze, and the thing is, they were about twice as long as this. And when you grew up during a time where people gardened and they want to either can stuff or freeze stuff and keep it, that is what they did. Real deal, real phone call to Butterball. lady calls in and says, how long is a turkey good for? So what do you mean? So we checked our, we're going through our deep freeze this year and the best we can figure, we've had a turkey that was given to my husband when he retired from from work uh, and, and it happens to be 23 years old. Is it still safe to eat? Let that set in for a second. Is it still safe to eat? This would have been my face if I'm the person on the phone like, this is not good, not good at all. The person that worked at Butterball, the guy went on to say, he said, listen, if it hasn't been above freezing, it probably won't kill you, but guess what? It's not going to taste good. It's not going to be what it intended, but you know what? Here's what we're going to do. You've kept it this long, and, and, and we're going to send you a, a little coupon to go get one for free. That's what we're going to do. And, but I'm going to tell you, if you eat this, it will not be good. You will be disappointed. And the lady said, that is great. That's sort of what I figured. I'll just donate this one to the church. <laughs> True story. Let's get serious a second. Is that how you treat the church? Just got serious, didn't it? Do we give God what's left? Today could be a lesson on giving, and we may do that someday. I'm, I'm going to talk about one of the great things God asks us to give, and that is ourself, who we are. It's amazing to me and at times in my own life, how, how much I think God should be willing to settle for versus what God is actually worth. And I love the prayer earlier in the verses, God is worthy. God is overall. all. God is God and He is our Lord and, and we are to trust in Him and we are to acknowledge Him for all that He does, I think all of us admit he and His people are way more worthy than a 23-year-old frostbitten turkey. I'm just shocked. I sit there and think about this, how, how this would go, but I, I kind of understand it. Can I tell you, this is not the first time it's happened. Open your Bible to Malachi chapter 1. I want to look at some verses, and I don't know how often you've read Malachi. Many times it's, by this time when we're reading through the Bible, we're looking forward to getting to the New Testament. We want to get to Jesus can I tell you, Jesus is all through the Old Testament as well. But in Malachi chapter 1, God is about to dress some people who are willing to donate 23-year-old turkeys. He's going to talk to his people, and, and here's what he says. And in Malachi chapter 1, he begins by saying, I have always loved you, says the Lord. He wants to let them know how much he loves them. And look what they have the gall to say to him. And yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Wow. Can you imagine saying that to God? God? God said, I have loved you. And they go, how? How have you actually showed us that you loved us? I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a very short memory when it comes to God. Sometimes I have a very short memory in thinking about all the things he has done for me and does for me on a continual basis. That's why it's important that we count our blessings, not just once a year, Thanksgiving, but on a daily basis, and we think about how good and gracious and kind and merciful he is to us. God is going to go on to speak beginning in verse 6, and he says, as a son honors his father and a servant his master, if then I am the father, where is my honor? If I'm the master, where is my fear or respect? Do you not respect me? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon the altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. He's saying, if I'm your father, wouldn't a son honor his father? If I'm your master, wouldn't you have respect for me as, as the one who sees over you and, and cares for you? Wouldn't you see that way? And, and they say, well, how have we despised you? He said, by not offering what you should offer. He goes on and he says, when you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer those that that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or will he show favor, says the Lord of hosts. He he says, you know, I I have asked, and we realize God, when he asks for a sacrifice, he's very specific. He wants a perfect lamb without blemish. He goes through and there's a list of things, and he said, what you're offering me are sick lambs. Lambs that, that have no use to you. He said, that, that's what you're trying to send me and And God said, here's what I think about it. He said, and now uh, entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. God is saying, isn't it amazing that I have asked for a perfect lamb to be given to me. You've given me your blind, your sick, and your lame ones. And when you do this, you're fully happy with yourself, begging God to continue to bless you. You're saying, God, be happy with my great sacrifice, even though I'm not giving you at all what you've asked for. God comes back and says in verse 10, said, Oh, that there would be one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle a fire in my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept the offering from your hand. Can you believe he said the best thing that could happen is somebody to lock the doors of the temple? That the altar, the tabernacle, all of that be shut down because what you're offering is not truly a sacrifice, it's an insult. That is what God is telling his people. He said, I had rather that happen than for you to think what you're giving me is Okay. He said, from the rising of the sun and to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered in my name, a pure offering for, for my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. He said, but you befriend, uh, profane when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit and by the food you have despised. He said, but you say, what a weariness is this? And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or lame or sick, and you bring it to the offering. Shall I accept your hand, says the Lord? Isn't it amazing? He's saying, instead of giving me something that's yours, you would steal somebody else's and give theirs. He said, when I even talk to you about this, you, you snort at it, you scoff at it. It is not a big deal to you. You see, cursed be the cheat who has made, Uh, who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. I don't know about you, but when I read this, I can tell God is not happy. Y'all see that? God is not happy. And the thing is, the people are offering sacrifices. They are. they're, They're offering. He said, you're just not giving what I am do what I am worth. When I read through this, I see the love of God. God says, I have provided you. I love you. I care for you. He said, and I am worthy. I'm worthy of what? I'm worthy of your all. God is trying to help them see that I'm worthy of your all. That is, that is it. All of who you are. And the people that Malachi writes to don't get it. What we've been looking at this fall, we have a fall focus where we have been pointing you and pointing ourselves to Jesus. A disciple is is a follower, It's somebody who follows Christ, and it is something that we want to make sure that every day we are following him and we want to have a, a, a commitment to Christ. We spent uh, the month of August going through those verses, looking at. He said, "If you'll be my disciple, you will do what? You will take up your cross. You will abide in my word. You will love one another, and you will what? You will bear much fruit." We have an individual responsibility to be totally committed to Christ to be his disciple. And this month, we're focusing on being committed to his church. See, there there is an individual responsibility we have to God, and then there is a corporate responsibility that we serve together as a group. I am thankful that God does not expect us to serve Him alone, that He has chosen that we function and we have a church body, we have a family where all of us have a role and all of us have a part and all of us serve together, pulling together, encouraging one another to do what? Continue serving Him. And today, I want to talk to you about giving our all to church. And one of the ways we do that is we show up. Attendance sermons are not easy, by the way. Because usually the ones who need to hear it, what? They're not here. I've heard too many preachers talk about Sunday morning attendance and Sunday night sermons. I'm like, something just happened there. you, you, You confuse me. But these sermons aren't necessarily popular. And the thing is, it is tough for a preacher to know how to motivate people to serve God more. Because I can have a fit. I can jump up and down. I can try to guilt you and go through all these different things, and it may change your actions for a little while, but will it change your heart? Because I think attendance is a hard issue. I I, I don't think I, I think it is a hard issue. When we get that God is God and God is worthy, then we want to be people who show Him His worthiness in our lives every day. And we want to join with His people to do the same. Attendance is, it, it is not an easy thing, but it is something that is commanded. And I feel that there, there are some. Basically, when it comes to attendance, it's, I won't do this for myself, but I, I'll donate that 23-year-old turkey. i sort of give whatever's left. If I don't have anything else planned, then I, then I will go. It's sort of like this, you know, its uh, I'll give that, you know, if our ball games are rained out, I'll go today. If we don't have family coming into town, I, I'll i go today. If, if I'm not, whatever the case may be, that seems to be a trend. But the thing is, God says I'm worthy of us giving our all. If you ask the experts, if you will, the people who research church attendance all the time, what they say is church membership by and large is down most places. And guess what? the percentage of those members that think it's necessary to attend is even down further than that. It's pretty scary. It is to go through and to see that. If I were to talk about all the things that have changed in my lifetime and changed in your lifetime, I think one of the things you would say is church attendance has changed. It is something that, that has gone down, and, and you go, why? Why has it changed? Why is it that, that, that Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night attendance, consistent attendance and involvement in the Lord's church and, and, and it has gone down? There's a, a writer by the name of Kerry Newhoff, and, and uh, it didn't show up the way it was printed, um, but he writes about things like this often. And he gave a huge long list. I'm going to give you a few things. He says, one of the reasons that church attendance has gone down is people have more money. So they don't see a need. They have a lot more options now. They can travel, go here and there. Is there anything wrong with traveling? Absolutely not. Not, not a thing at all. It is, it, it, Jesus happened to travel a lot. Jesus happened to worship wherever he was, though. There's a strong thought there. He said, as we've gotten more affluent, our need for God, our we, we basically put ourselves on the throne versus God being on that throne. And, and he said, that that is part of it. He says, secondly, there's a higher focus on kids' activities. Sports, uh, uh, I grew up during a blessed time that Sundays and Wednesdays were pretty holy. Sundays especially were holy. I had a, a baseball coach that wanted to do batting practice every Wednesday night. And... Uh, my dad just informed him I wouldn't be there. That was sort of how it worked. But we're during a time that it's like, oh, there's if we can fit something else in. And and, and I hear a lot of things about how sports, and I'm not anti-sports. I actually love sports. I grew up playing them. You know, I, I was still playing on a softball team last year, something. I, I enjoy sports and stuff, but uh, I hear parents say that sports, Sports teaches discipline and teamwork and talks about how to work with other people. I'm like, so does church. I can't miss that. I'm letting my team down. Well, do we let God down? That's just a different a different thought. Just something to think of. Is there anything wrong with sports? No. In perspective. But he says one of the reasons is that seems to be the case. Another is, he said, uh, because of more divided families now. He said there's kids that are in a situation where the most they're going to be able to attend is 26 Sundays a year if they spend every other week with a different parent. And they said, that some of that's the new normal. I'm blessed that when my parents divorced, this were not the case. I was able to attend the same congregation and keep going, but this this is something that that is a struggle. Also, uh, there are a lot of people that say, you know what, I don't need church because it used to be if you wanted to hear a sermon, you had to go to church to hear it. Now you can go online and you can hear preachers, of any type of sort, of any type, and and you can listen to Bible studies and you can listen to sermons and you can do those things on your own. They said as that has grown, people are choosing that and saying, Well, I don't really need the church for that. And another is he said, We live in a time where people don't feel guilty. People don't feel guilty. Here's the problem, by, by the way, one of the tough things about preaching on attendance. Let me make sure I get this. I know we got some people joining us on live stream today who cannot be at worship, and thank you for worshiping with us. I want to get that out there and let you know that. When you preach this, you realize the people who shouldn't feel guilty do, and the people who should feel guilty do not. To those who cannot be here today because of illness, because of... Uh, being able to not being able to get out and stuff. God is loving and understands. He does, and thank you for doing what you can. To those of you who stayed home today because you have a fever, thank you. You do not get extra credit for God for showing up with a stomach bug or a fever to church. Actually, you're being very unloving when you do that. Okay, just to to, to get that out there. Well, what's interesting is there's no guilt about not being there. It's, the, the number just still climbs all over me that, that people feel like they are being faithful to God if they attend, and they're faithful to a church three out of every eight Sundays. That's just amazing to me. But that's the number. If you ask somebody, hey, they'll say, hey, I love my church. Well, I had not seen you in a couple months. I know I'll be there, but I love it. Where you been? Well, we've been traveling. We got we got we got this going on, that going on, and and uh we're we're just really tired. But you know what? We we love our church, and like you you don't feel a need to be there. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. I have before. Well again, you ever heard the term smoke? Sunday morning only? CEO Christ, Christmas Easter only? That, that sometimes you, you say that, and, and it is something there are more people, and I'm thankful for those who are here on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning. I would love to see you tonight and Wednesday night. God Is God still God tonight? Is God still God Wednesday night? Of course He is. He is still worthy at that time. See, I think what these come from and these things that, that have taken attendance down a little bit really comes from not seeing church and God clearly and seeing them as important. See, He, he sees it as important. It's, it's us many times. Maybe we're, we're donating what's left over because we don't realize how worthy God is and we don't realize what He has asked of us. Maybe we're given the, 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 the sick lamb because we, we don't realize what it is that God wants. And, and the thing is, if we look and see clearly, what we see is for us today is His people, that Jesus loves us. Just as God told the people of Malachi that He loves us, Jesus loves us. He has died on a cross for us. He, he wants us to be in heaven with Him forever. Jesus absolutely loves us. And, and He came here on earth to build His church. That's what He says in Matthew 16, 18. And when it comes to us, what is our priority in Matthew 6, We are to seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He said, I've come to establish my church and not, not only that, My kingdom is to be the most important thing there is in your life. When people ask him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you love the Lord your God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Can I tell you, church attendance is really about these two things, loving God and loving others. We're here today hopefully because we love God. Why? Because He first loved us. We want to show Him His honor and His due. Then once we get here, it is about encouraging each other. It it is about worshiping. We're going to talk about that next week. But it, it is about encouraging one another. It is about having that time where we go to remind people that they're not alone, that they are loved, that they are cared for. We go to serve. It comes back to those two things. Look what's said here in Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 27. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The book of Hebrews, all the chapters there, many people believe is one sermon. Today's sermon may not be short, but it's shorter than that, Okay? And in the middle of this sermon, toward the end, he's about to go through and talk about all these faithful people, people that we look at, look up to because of their faith. And before that, he says, I, I want to encourage you to do what? I want you to encourage one another. Encourage literally means to come and, and, and give heart to somebody else, help them to not quit, help them to keep going. He said, don't neglect to meet one another as a habit of some is, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. People need encouragement. We need to be doing that. See, I believe every week there's somebody who's thinking about quitting on God. There's somebody who's struggling. And why do we come to remind them that you don't need to quit? <laughs> that we're here with you, that we want to walk this with you. Some Sundays it's me. <laughs> Some Sundays it's you, it's, it's some days, and we come here on Sundays and Wednesdays. Many times that Wednesday night is so powerful that we are able to come and say, all right, we're going to open God's Word together, but not only that, we're going to pray together. We're going to encourage one another. And, and the thing is, he, he talks about we are to assemble together, and, and he says not to what? Some of your versions says, do not forsake the assembly. The word there means to abandon, to desert to leave in a lurch. Many of you may be familiar with this term from military AWOL. Absent without leave. He said, when you're not there, there's a blank spot. There is a hole there a hole of encouragement that should be given, a, a hole of love that should be there, and and it is something that, that we should be said, don't do this. And and he says for those, he goes through, and, and look at the next verses. We should always read in context. And so many times we quit reading right now. He says, do, do not forsake the assembling yourselves together. You come and you encourage one another. And, and look at these consequences. For if we go on sinning deliberately, After receiving the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer remains any sacrifice for sins. But a fearful expectation of judgment, a fury of fire that will consume its adversaries. It's interesting that right after the Hebrew writer talking to them about assembling together and not to forsake assembling together, he talks about if you do this willfully, There's no sacrifice. That's pretty scary. I don't know about you, but that's pretty eye-opening that that is tied together. So what do we do? What do we do about this? Can I I tell you, I I can guilt you like this little girl, okay? This is what a a family used to try to get people to come help them move yesterday. I love that they put it up Friday night and said, she she needs you to come help move. And so I'm sure they, they had plenty of people show up. I can try to guilt you, I can have a fit, I can go on, but I want to tell you something. What if? What if we all decided we want to be true disciples? What if we made a decision today that we do want to follow Christ and and we want to follow Him and we want to make a commitment to His church? What would that look like? What if we decided to give our all? What if we decided to attend every service? Why? Because Jesus loves us. I think, one, you would please God. Some of you may be people pleasers. I'm a people pleaser at times. can, Can I tell you the most important person there is to please on this earth is God. If you, if you come and, and you're here each and every time and you come here and you are an encouragement and you're loving and you're here when you don't feel like it, and I'm talking about when you're tired and when you're discouraged and you come, can I tell you, you are pleasing to God. That, that's above everything else. Secondly, your faith will grow. Why? Because I will promise you, if you come to this congregation, we will spend time in God's Word. And faith comes by hearing and by the Word of God. Your faith will grow. Why? Because not only that, you're going to spend time with other people of faith. Three, when you come, if you choose to encourage others, you will be encouraged. It'll make a difference in your life. You you will come and you will encourage them. You will give them heart. And at times they will give you heart. You will grow closer together and you will have that bond in Christ that Jesus wants to see. I know we have those who are regularly on Sunday morning. Thank you for being here Sunday morning. What if you chose to come on Sunday night and Wednesday nights? It can make a difference. One, your neighbor's and your friends would start to see that God's first in your life. They would see that, hey, could could we go do this Sunday? Hey, I'm going to worship. Would you love to come with me? I'd love for you to be with me. We would show the world that that God is over all in one essence, and and the fact that we are going to go worship Him whenever the doors are open, we would be able to show the world that, and it would make a difference. I used that term, Smo, several years ago in a sermon, and... uh, uh, there was a husband and wife there together, and on the way out, he was not happy with me at all. He came up and said, so I'm just a smo, Sunday morning only. I said, you don't have to be. He said, what do you mean? I said, you can come back tonight. We're good friends, all right? We could say stuff to each other. It's very straight. And he would tell me, well, my little my little girl can't make it through worship that long, and he just had a list of excuses over and over and over again. Here's what's incredible. They got home, and his wife starts bawling, crying, and she said, I don't want to be a snow anymore. And he called me, and he came back and said, you know, Craig, uh, will you meet us at the building? He said, we, we've we examined our commitment, and we are not committed. We don't think we were committed the day we, we choose to be baptized. We just We didn't think anything about lordship, and... They said, we we want to draw a line in the sand today. And that day they were baptized, both of them. Can I tell you that that couple, couple led several people to Christ over the next few years? By what? By attending and asking other people to go with them. It's amazing to see that difference that it made for them and for others. Others saw how important it was to them. Also, when you make that your first priority in your life, guess what? Your children will see it. Whether you want them to or not, you, you want your children to have your heart. They're going to have that, a heart for God. If your heart's for God, that, that will pass through to them. I love this picture. And when you show them that, it is more, that God is more important and God is worthy more than anything else, they are more likely to grow up and believe God is important and God is worthy above everything else. And as you instill that faith, you will be building bridges for them to cross the faith that they need in laying out a, a path for them of God's Word and helping them to stand on those promises of God. Why? Because they have seen that seeking God and that church was never an option for you. It was always who you were going to be and what you were going to do. This morning, I want you to know that God loves you. And he's always loved you. And we don't want to be people who give, who give God 23-year-old turkeys. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be people who, who give him the the blind, lame lambs. We want to give him all of who we are. This morning, let's think about what it would be if we did that. If, if we started having to look at uh, seeding problems on Sunday night because everybody came back, what an awesome problem. What an awesome opportunity. On Wednesday nights, if we start, hey, we're going to have more Bible classes. Why everybody's coming back? It'd be incredible. Why? Because we would be showing this world that God is first. And His people are, are of ultimate importance, and we want to be there together. Can we help you today? If you're not a Christian today, that's the first way you give your all to Him. Today, we want to immerse you, baptize you for remission of your sins, making Him your Lord. Make that choice. Or... Today may be a good day to say, hey, I've been giving God leftovers and I want to start over right now and I want to give him everything and I want to ask this church family to pray for me or today may be a day that you're saying, hey, I'm struggling to the point. I, I may want to quit and I need this church family to pray with me and for me. We would love to be able to do that for you. If we can help you today with this, would you come now while we stand and while we sing? Years I spent and pride.